We'll get started. We're going to continue on with the, uh, the baptism, talking about rightly dividing the word of truth. And this is going to be just a continuation of this past Sunday to finish up. And then, then we're going to try, if we get that part finished up about baptism, we're going to move into chapter 4 of Matthew and possibly chapter 5. So in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 6, if you're taking notes, it makes reference to the doctrine of baptisms. But in Ephesians 4... Verse 5, it says one baptism. So if there's the doctrine of baptisms, that seems like more than one, but then there's one baptism that's talked about in the, uh, in the uh, book of Ephesians. So that epistle to the Ephesians talking about one Lord, one Spirit, one baptism, and all that, but then Hebrews makes this little reference to the doctrine of baptisms. So it sounds a little bit like uh, a contradiction, but it's not. The, what, what Paul, well, I, like I said before, I say Paul when I'm talking about Hebrews, but what he's doing there is he is saying that he doesn't want to go back and go through all of that other stuff again. He wants to move on to the better Savior, the, the better priest. And... He doesn't want to lay the foundations of the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands. And what that was referring to was Old Testament way of doing things. The, again, Matthew is for the Jews, mainly, for us especially, uh, to help us understand how the New Testament's opening up and how to rightly divide it so that we won't be confused as we go through. But Hebrews, it's got the name Hebrews for a reason, and it is trying to uh, help the Hebrew people understand who Jesus really is. He is a better priest. He's a better Savior. He's a better, better, better. Everything's better. And we did a couple uh, teachings on a better Savior. So Hebrews, when it's talking about the doctrine of baptisms, and the laying on of hands, remember John's baptism. I hope that it, it was clear this past Sunday that John's baptism is really Old Testament baptism when you really think about it. John's baptism is. It was for, the, for, for repentance. It was for confessing your sins. It was, to, it was for bringing in the kingdom of heaven, which was very Jewish in nature. The, the nation of Israel was waiting on their Messiah to set up the kingdom of heaven. So that's part of the dispensation of law. Okay, uh, Had a question about the 70 weeks of Daniel. How is 70 weeks 490 years? You know, we, went, we went over that in pretty good detail in Sunday school not that long ago. I taught the whole book of Daniel at the jail years ago every last word we went over in Daniel. So it's weeks of years. It would be like, uh, give me a dozen of those, or give me a dozen. A dozen of what? If I just said, give me a dozen, you'd be like, well, you need to tell me. Well, weeks of days would be, you know, a week, what we know of as a week. We call it a week. But they also refer to a week of whatever. 
And it could be a week of years, which is seven years. And, that, and so when you really get into a study of Daniel, it's going to show you when, you when it talks about from the going forth of the decree to go back and the build, and, and then you start adding up the years, and then you can figure it all out. And great Bible uh, theologians have figured it out for you, and you can go back and you can see how everything was laid out. And 70 weeks of years, it's 490 years, and when Jesus made his triumphal entry, that was 483 years. Like I said Sunday, the kingdom of heaven was violently taken. It was taken by force. They went after it and they got it because it was a physical kingdom that was going to be set up on the earth. So, the, and, I, and I said, I was talking about how God set the Jewish nation aside for a season. He's not done with them, but He's not dealing with them because He's moved into this church age, the dispensation of grace. Now, the, the doctrine of baptisms is part of the old system when it comes to John's baptism. That was the very end of it. It's coming back later. We don't know exactly when. We, we know that Jesus is coming back to take his church out of here. When that happens, the last seven years that are missing from the 490 years, the, that last seven years will happen after the church is taken out of the way. There's going to be a whole lot of people left on earth. We, we call it the rapture and then the tribulation period. Every true believer will be taken out. The church age will have come to an end. Then the Jewish way of doing things will come back in for a seven-year period called the time of Jacob's trouble, the seven years of tribulation. Matthew goes into those details. Uh, oh, I need to clear something up. That makes me think. Uh, when I was talking about how there's not a lot of grace in Matthew, and I was talking about how uh, I made mention of not ever feeling like you're going to be do enough to be, be good, good enough to enter in uh, to the kingdom of heaven, and I was making reference to visiting in prison and all that stuff. That, I want to make sure you understand, because I listened to, thank you so much for recording this, because I listened to it, but that, that, those, those things that I made reference to, it is kingdom of heaven stuff, but it's not part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Olivet Discourse. This is way over in chapter 25. So I just, if, if anybody picked up on that um, and say, what is he talking about? That's not in the Sermon on the Mount. But my point was that those things that are in the Sermon on the Mount and those things in the Olivet Discourse you know, this, the, right, the, go, the sheep being put on the right hand, the ghost being put on the left, that's way up in 25. Uh, is that story, is that Olivet Discourse, as far as separating the sheep and the goats, and the whole thing about, I was naked and you clothed me, I was hungry and you fed me, and you, I was sick and you came to visit me, I was in prison, all that. Is, is any of that stuff in the other Gospels? Or is it only in Matthew? Think about it. Look it up. Look it up when you're when you're studying, and uh, just see if you can find it in the other Gospels. 
It's very Jewish in nature. It's very kingdom of heaven. Because even way over in 25, it's still talking about kingdom of heaven. Now, there are certain parables that will be right before the Olivet Discourse that pertain to the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Probably the fig tree. Uh, you know, Jesus cursed it. You know, it was dead. I mean, there's a lot of things that you're going to see paralleled in in uh, the new the other the other uh, gospels. So, the baptism thing. There was other other baptisms before that they would have been part of the Jewish way of doing things. The laying on the of hands that was when a when you brought your sacrifice in when they when they cut the throat that you had to put your hands on it so that it was a symbolism of you putting your sins on that animal and that animal was taking your place. That was he didn't want to go back through all that stuff again. He's like that's done with. We're moving on to Jesus Christ. He's your sacrifice. He's the one. He took your sins on. You don't have to lay hands on on animals anymore. So that's all that's really talking about there. And then in Ephesians, that's where you would say, uh, where it says the one baptism. I have always kind of leaned toward that one true baptism that really saves, which would be the one I talked about, about uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost. The, being baptized into Jesus Christ, into His death, burial, and then raised to walk in newness of life. I would, I would think that's the one real baptism. But then again, He also says one Spirit. That could be part of that, being baptized into the Spirit. But, and then that one baptism could be the water baptism that we do today, because it's very important. I'm going to try to... to, to talk about the importance of the Lord's Supper, not today, but that's just one of the ordinances, the Lord's Supper, but what I'm talking about today is the baptism, and that's believer's baptism. To list the, uh, what, the ones we talked about this past Sunday, remember it, it was John's baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, which I think I went over that pretty good on Sunday, where you can't go down to the river and get don't buy the preacher man and get your sins washed away because nothing but the blood of Jesus does that. Then you have Christ talked about his baptism and his baptism, not the one where John the Baptist baptized him because that's John's baptism, but it was out of obedience that Jesus did that. And it was a, something, it was a picture for us, something that we need to look at and say, Jesus did it with John's baptism out of obedience, just, just out of obedience. We should be the same way when we go through the baptism with the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ, we need to say, okay, we need to do that as well. Jesus was a good example of that. Just strictly out of obedience to God, we should want to line up our baptism. Nobody should have to come to us and make us feel guilty about doing it. You need to get this done. You need to get this done. You should be going to the minister and say, I want to be baptized. You know, John Phillips was talking about a little girl who, she was young. She went to the church elders, and she went to them and said, I want to be baptized, and they started asking her questions. Because they were thinking she was too young, probably didn't really understand. They were asking her questions. She answered the best she could. And they came to the conclusion that, well, you're just too young. You're going to have to wait until you're a little older. <clears throat> and she said, very well then. 
But can you promise me that you will baptize me before the Lord returns? Fill up the baptismal. Go ahead, get it filled up. And they baptize her right away. Don't let anybody stand in your way. You know, people will make reference to the thieves on the cross. The one thief, he got saved on the cross. He never got baptized. Well, he was nailed to a cross. So I ask people, are you nailed to a cross? If they use that as an excuse, are you nailed to a cross? Nope. (laughs) Then go get baptized. Okay, so I want to go to... um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay, Mark, 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 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and then Acts 18. Acts 18, 24 through 28. Probably, probably should read that one first. Now this one, this, this Acts 18, I want you to, I want you to see This is part of John's baptism. John's baptism. John the Baptist for the repentance of... Baptism of repentance and remission of sins. Acts 18, 24. This is talking about Apollos. Apollos is a church leader back in the day. He He was along with Paul and he came along... I'm going to read a few verses here. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So you ask, is there a difference? Okay, people, people say, well, John's baptism is that water baptism thing. Or, so here, Apollos, as great as he was, before he, he, before he actually uh, was filled with the Holy Ghost, he was doing some really good things, but he, was only, he only understood the baptism of John. And, he, and he, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when... You want to say these names? Aquila? Uh. Or if you do it correctly, Prisca and Aquila. Ah. Well, I can't say it that good. So most people say Aquila and Priscilla. I knew I was going to say it wrong. Had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So he was doing a pretty good job, but then they, they, they caught him so, you know, nothing would thrill me more than somebody to come to me and say, well, I listened to your sermon, but this, that wasn't quite right, and this wasn't quite right, and, and help me understand where I was wrong. That's what happened to Apollos right here. Don't ever be afraid to do that. If you have a question or you say, no, no, that's not right, tell me about it. So they were expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly and when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing 
by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Now in 19, there's a group of people. There's, I think it was 12 of them. About, it says about 12, verse 7 uh, says about 12. But these guys also, they were asked... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. So you see here, it's different. These, these guys were, and, and the reason that they would uh, be filled with the Holy Ghost, because see, these guys, Paul and them, they could lay hands on somebody and they would be filled with the Holy Ghost and they might speak in unknown tongues and do some crazy things because they needed that because that was the transition period. See, this is so far back, there might be certain places that you go to, you know, go on a missionary trip somewhere, and you might go to places where they don't understand any of this stuff, and you might see some of that stuff happen. Because God needs to show a sign to make people understand, whoa, this is for, for real. But in America, we really don't have any excuse but to believe what the Bible says. We, we know better. And we got to be so careful because Jesus said, those who require a sign, oh, that's an evil generation. That's, be careful about requiring a sign to believe. Oh, I'm not going to believe unless you show me a sign. And it, it, Jesus ended up saying, you, he was giving them signs, especially in Matthew, signs, signs, signs. And he ended up saying, you're not getting any more signs except for the sign of Jonah being in the belly of the well for three days, three nights. That's the only sign you're getting. And that's the sign for us today. All we got to do is look back to Jesus saying, Jonah, like Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights, I'm going to be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And just like Jonah came up out of that well, I'm coming up out of the earth too. That's our sign. So if asking for a sign got, or having to have signs... Yeah, I've been involved in a lot of different churches over the years, and I've seen some crazy stuff going on in churches. And, I, I, and some of the most messed up people in churches are the ones that require a sign. <clears throat> and I have got stories that I am never going to tell from up here of crazy stuff that goes on in churches. And we need to be careful very careful not to play around with the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't, don't fake stuff. Don't say, don't say, well, the Holy Spirit made me do it, or I'm doing this because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and all that. Be very careful what you say about the Holy Ghost. And Jesus left. He had to go to be with, with the Father. He's interceding for us at the right hand of the Father so that the Comforter will come. The Holy Spirit will come, and the Holy Spirit, it, it, it hovers over trying to find a place to dwell in. Just like that dove that was released from the ark, flying out over all the waters trying to find a place to dwell. Couldn't find anything. But then the olive leaf, and then found a place to... 
when Jesus showed up, and Jesus, out of obedience, went to John and said, Baptize me. And what happened? Baptized, come up out of that water, and Jesus looked up, saw the heavens open, and the Spirit descended like a dove, and he heard the voice, this is my Son, whom I am well pleased. And when we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we take on that nature. We, we're, that's what we are, and that's what happens to us. When we're, hit, when we're baptized into Jesus, and we, not that being baptized in water saves us, but out of obedience, something pretty cool can happen when you, get back, when you go through the baptism. You know, I try not to... There's so many people who make way too much out of it, and it's all about the baptism. But I don't want to be so much trying to correct people on that that you don't miss that something really cool can happen in baptism when you get dunked in the water. All right, 1 Corinthians, you should be, have a finger there, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is just the example of what I'm talking about. Don't get too caught up in the baptism thing, being water baptized. Be careful about getting caught up in that. Because what did, what did the Apostle Paul say? There were people in Corinth. The Corinthian church was really messed up. They, they were the exact, like I just said, I don't want to talk, I'm not going to say too much about some things that I've seen in church. Well, they were experiencing it in Corinth. If you read all the way through 1 Corinthians, you'll see a whole lot of what I could tell you about that I've seen today. When I, when I say today, the last 25, 30 years, what I've seen in churches, it's like nothing's changed. There's nothing new under the sun. Maybe that should be a verse in the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. 13. What? I'm sorry? Chapter 1, verse 13. All these people were talking about how they were, they were just they were divided. These people were divided. They, Paul hears them talking about how I'm of so-and-so, I'm of I'm a Paul, I'm of I'm a Cephas, I'm of Paul. And he said, he asked in 13, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were, or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? And then he says, listen to this, I thank God that I baptized none of you. And then he says, but Crispus and Gaius, it's, it's almost like he's saying, I'm just glad I didn't baptize any of you. And then, he, then I can see him seeing Crispus and Gaius and go, well, well, except for those two. Yeah, I did baptize them, but, you know, I don't... It's almost like he was saying, I'm just glad that I didn't do it. But then he saw, too, that he, that he actually baptized. And then he said, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And then he thought... It, something else came to his mind because he said, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. So if the baptism part of it, being dunked in water, is so important that would cause divisions in the church, Paul's trying to help you understand that he was glad that he didn't. And, and, and if you keep reading... He's going to talk about how he's, he, he, did, he wasn't sent to baptize, but to preach the gospel. The next verse. <laughs> For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. 
For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Okay? So I, I wanted you to see that because it's, it's almost like Paul... You would think that somebody who's inspired by the Holy Spirit and he's writing something, he wouldn't make those little mistakes of, well, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of... Well, yeah, I did baptize you too. And then, then a couple of verses later, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, and I baptized the household of Stephan. And then people will say the same thing about... Later in 1 Corinthians, and if you, if you... There's like seven. There's some hard stuff in chapter 7. And... It's like he's, he's answering something. And all you're hearing is the answer. Because and, and, Paul will say, and about whatever, and then he starts telling them about it. You know, but he's, he's answering, you can tell, he's answering questions. So it, it was like that he had a letter that they had sent him, and he's there to try to answer all these questions. Why didn't we get the questions? See, Jeopardy was, you know, pretty popular back then, too. You know, I, I'm, I get up here, and I'm just giving you a bunch of answers. I don't, I don't, we don't need all the questions. A lot of the questions are pretty obvious. I'm just up here, I'm just narrating a story to you. That's all I'm doing. And I'm just giving you answers. It's not that important what the questions are. I think the Holy Spirit was right on with it, and he was just giving answers. You don't need to know all the silly questions, because there were some, probably some really silly questions that we didn't need to hear. This, this holy Bible is just too good for some of those silly questions that might have been asked, but the answers are awesome, and that's what's in here. Back to the list of five. John's baptism of repentance... Christ's baptism of suffering and being buried, uh, basically buried in our sins and going to a cross that he did not deserve at all. That was He talked about his, his, his baptism in that. The baptism of the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ, the believer's baptism, and then the baptism with fire. Those are the five main baptisms in the New Testament. Okay? We talked about on Sunday the Bapti- uh, in 1 Corinthians 10.2 and, and talking about the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Well, they did go down in the sea. They went completely out of sight, down in the sea, but they didn't get wet. Now the Egyptian army who pursued them, they got baptized in that sea too, and they all got real wet. So baptize, I think, is a great word. People criticize it. Well, why didn't it just say immersion? It would have been better if they would have translated it that. That way there would be no uh, a debate on whether you can sprinkle or pour or, or dunk them. But see, baptize is a better word, in my opinion, because the Bible has it that way. So it's not my opinion at all. But I think it's best because you can be baptized into fire completely engulfed in flames. That's not being, you know, immersed in anything. It's your, a piece of paper can be baptized into a book. I can put a little, my little marker and shut the book on it, and it's totally baptized in there. There's 
different ways where you can say baptize, and it's not necessarily dunking in water, but it very well can be. Because there's more to just being dunked in water when it comes to being baptized. And like I said earlier, being baptized into Jesus is the most important one. Because before you you, you got to get that part right before you can go do believer's baptism. All right. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about chapter 4. This is Matthew 4. We've already gone through Jesus being baptized. We've talked about that. But what happens right after Jesus is baptized? The Holy Spirit takes him into the wilderness, right? The first man, Adam, Satan tested him, and he failed. You know, Eve is the one who was tricked, and she's the one that sinned, but all the blame went on Adam. As far in God's eyes, it was, it was Adam who sinned by allowing all that stuff to happen. When Jesus, we, we call it Jesus being tempted by the devil, I think it was Jesus testing the devil. He turned it around on the devil. This is Matthew 4, starting with verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. Wow. I fast for four hours and I'm hungered. He fasted for 40 days. He's hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. You know, Eve was tempted similarly by it looked good for food. Why not eat it? Is it, you know, it's just, it's it's a terrible sin to be hungry, isn't it? Say no. It's not. Well then, what's up with this? How dare you? That's why I eat all day long. Because I don't ever want to be... Uh, accused of being hungry. Well, that's a terrible sin. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. All of this is important. Everything that I hold in my hand right here. Every word. All, of, all Scripture is inspired. All Scripture is for reproof and correction and all those things that, that help us to understand the answers to life. Then the devil taketh him up into a, the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou, thou dash thy foot against the stone. So Satan, he knew Scripture really well, didn't he? He knew what... He knew that Jesus, that angels would be watching him and protecting him, and they wouldn't so much as let him stub his toe on a rock. And he's telling Jesus, if you really want to make an impression on all these people, then take yourself up there and just dive off, jump off, and the angels will have to come in and swoop you up, and then everybody will believe who you are. Yeah, just get it done. Do something miraculous for God. Do something. And Jesus is like, mm, no. It is written, again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So, 
that uh, pride of life, the, 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 it's similar again with what Eve was tempted with. If you eat from that tree of knowledge and good and evil, you'll be like the gods. You'll know. It was, it was a temptation. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. You know, I was talking a while back about the kneeling down, the people who came to kneel, and kneel at Christ, bow down at Christ. And so many of the verses in the new versions, they talk about how that's, they'll leave it at that. And they don't say worship. Satan was wanting Jesus not only to bow to him, which, you know, bowing or kneeling down is, is uh, showing respect to authority like a king. You can, you can show respect, you can walk in, t- t- in front of the king, and you can bow down out of respect. But it's not worshiping. So that's why those verses that were changed is so significant because it says in the King James that they walked up, they kneeled down, and worshipped him. Well, the Jehovah Witness Bible, the New World Translation, it takes all those worships out. So watch out for the new translations that take worship out when it's referring to Jesus. Satan wanted to be worshipped, and he had the right to give all of it back to Jesus. All he wanted for Jesus is just to kneel down and worship him just for a minute. And he would give it all up to him. And Jesus said, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So when we read that, we learn a whole lot from that. We learn that we need to know the Word of God very well. And we need to know that when we resist, what it, James 4, 7, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's, that's, that's the picture right there. Jesus resisted him. He submitted himself to his Father in heaven. He knew the word, and every time he was tempted, he thought of he, every temptation that is thrown your way, you should take that sword and slice it up as it's coming to you. Just the, the Bible is called a two-edged sword, and when the temptations come at you, you take the sword, because it is written, and you slice it up as it's coming at you. That's all you got to do. If you resist the devil, he'll end up fleeing from you. He's got too many other people he can trick. You resist him. The devil can't be everywhere. See, God's everywhere. But the devil can only be in one place at a time. And when he comes to tempt you, and you're resisting, he's thinking about all the other people that might not be as strong as you are, and he's going to go spend his time more wisely somewhere else. So resist him. Resist the devil. You don't have to fight him. Just let the truth out, because Jesus said it is written. Now, back to uh, Matthew being the book, talking about the gospel of the kingdom. 
the gospel of the kingdom. Gospel just simply means good news. It was the good news of the coming kingdom that every, all the Jew, Jewish people have been waiting for. In verse 23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel. So he, he leaves Nazareth after, after he uh, has been tempted John was cast into prison, and when Jesus realizes John's cast, John the Baptist is cast into prison, then he kind of takes over for, for what John the Baptist has been doing and saying. If you go back to 17, Jesus says, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's exactly what John the Baptist was saying. Now Jesus is saying it, and then down in 23... Uh, talking, talking after he, he uh, brings John and James in, the sons of Zebedee. And, he's, Jesus, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame starts going out everywhere. And Matthew, turn to Matthew 9. Just turn a couple pages. To Matthew 9, 35, same thing. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And then in 10, just go a little ways further, 10, verses 6 through 8. This is important to get. But go rather... uh, Let's see. All right, back up to 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Why? Ugh, that sounds kind of harsh. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Again, will you see that kind of statement in Mark? Luke and John. Look for it. Let me know. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've already told you that the term kingdom of heaven is not in Mark, it's not in Luke, it's not in John. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. I really want you to to remember, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The house of Israel. Eleven. You ready? And, all right, so think about it. He sent the twelve out to do those things. That meant Judas Iscariot was with him doing all those things. Healing the sick. He was doing some amazing things, wasn't he? In 11, this is Matthew 11, and it came to, this is 1, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two, two, there's another two for a witness, with no good to go just send one. He needed, he needed uh, the voice of two witnesses coming back to him. So he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, 
Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? John the Baptist started to doubt a little bit here. I thought, I really thought you were, but, you know, I need to make sure, because he's still locked up in, in, in the prison. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Kingdom of heaven, the gospel of the kingdom. Don't, don't go out to the Gentiles, but only go to the lost sheep of Israel. That is Matthew, Matthew, it's all in Matthew. You've got to pick up on all those things in Matthew. You're not going to see it in the other gospels, and it's for good reason. It, it, all right, so those, those places I just I want you to pick up on those things because when we get to chapter 13, you're going to see something happen in 13, but we're not going there yet. That's, I'm hoping that'll be Sunday, okay? So I'm praying for it. <laughs> this Sunday will be the day. But I, w- I want you to see something pretty cool starting with chapter 5. All right, look at chapter, back up to chapter 5. That's where we were leaving off, Matthew chapter 5. I already turned back there, and I'm trying to find it. I've already turned back there. All right, chapter 5. Notice, verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. He went up into a mountain. That's important. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and so on and so on and so on. All the blessed, this, that, and the other. But I want you to know, notice that he went up into a mountain. And this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So, feel free to read chapters 5, 6, and 7, and you will get the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the, the parallel to this... There's not a whole lot of parallels. I'm I'm challenging you to go find other places in the other three Gospels where you can find this same thing. Well, if you look at uh, your Schofield Bible, it'll give you a parallel to Luke 6. So turn to Luke 6, or at least write it down, and then we're going to be done. As soon as we do this, we're done. Luke 6. And the parallel is supposed to be here. And you're going to see a whole lot of the same things. You'll see over in 20, it'll say, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. So it looks like it's a, it's a parallel by some of these things it's saying. But look at 17. Back up to 17. Now in, in, in Matthew 5, 1, it talked about Jesus going up into a mountain... What does it say in 17? This is Luke. This is the Son of Man. In Matthew, what is he? King. King of the Jews. The Lion of Judah. He's king. He should be high and lifted up. He should be exalted. He's a king. But in Luke, he's the Son of Man, just like me and you. He was born into a body of flesh. Luke talks about so much detail about him being born and where he was born and all and, and being a baby he was born in the flesh as flesh 17 says 
And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea. And it says the same thing over Matthew. They came out of Judea, they came out of Jerusalem, and they went down to the sea coast, the sea coast, and, they, and then you start reading all of these blessed are ye, blessed, ble, you know. See the difference? Matthew to Luke, as king, he went up on a mountain, high and lifted up. And Luke, he came down into the plain on level playing ground with us because he's the son of man in Luke. Isn't that cool? All right, we're done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that this word, your word, which has all the answers. Father, I pray that each and every one of us that's sitting here today, anybody who would listen to this, that they would have confidence in your word and any problem they may have, any question they might have, they'll find the answer in your word. And Father, I pray that we are emboldened by knowing you, knowing that Jesus conquered. He conquered. And we look to him for victory. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.